disappeared You dropped in with a group of friends I didn't notice they were there Was it the way And away we go Well, hello there. This is Chris Latore, and I am your host of the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 18, where I like to talk about all things comic books. I like to review the recent comic books of the week, and sometimes, who knows, even dip into the world of artificial intelligence, just the fun stuff that I love, but mostly all related to comic books, and I like to just give that love to you. There you go. Take it. Enjoy it. (laughs) And this week... Boy, I share a couple of experiences that I had related to comic books. I take a quick glimpse into the world of AI. I go over six, not five, comic book feel-good factoid freebies. And this week, there's five top picks, which were amazing. I gotta tell you, it was a hard week to pick a top five. They were all really good. I was just gonna... There was 12 comics. I was just gonna make it the top 12 and just go through all 12. But I really spent some time picking out the top five. So it's a lot of fun. And again, if you're following us on the social medias like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we appreciate it and thank you. We are at Sunspots Comics on the social medias and interwebs. And of course, please check out our website, sunspotscomics.com, where I do talk about some stuff all related to comic books. I do put my pull list there of everything that I'm reading, and I do put my top picks on the website. So check it out if you want to see past top picks. They're all there on sunspotscomics.com. And I'm working on zombiedestroyers.com, which, thanks to a buddy of mine, we will be putting together a webcomic on that site, where it's just going to be about destroying zombies. So check out Zombie Destroyers from time to time. There's going to be some good stuff on there. And just following the dream, right? Love it. So let's jump right in. I'm going to share quickly two experiences I had related to the comic book world. One that was awesome, and one that was a bit of a stumble, as my friend Baba Bowie would say. But the first thing is Jack Kirby's would-be 98th birthday, if he was still with us, and his exhibit at the Cal State University of Northridge. The wife and I, hi Patsy, drove uh, 45 minutes from where we live to Cal State Northridge on Thursday night, and it was awesome. I gotta tell you, well done, well lit. They blew up some stuff, making it about 10 feet tall. They had some of his awesome work in glass cases and some pictures of him like when he was a soldier and it was it was very personal there was some nice little anecdotes some stories about Jack Kirby and I tell you his art stands up Mr. King of Comics his style seems like he doesn't even pencil he just takes this thick black marker and uses it in thin ways and thick ways and shades in things and it's just gorgeous he is a pro he was a master and it holds up if, if you don't own Jack Kirby's work own some go get some it's beautiful, and it holds up. I wish they had more Fantastic Four and Thor stuff. They had a little bit of it. It wasn't like a ton. They highlighted his Kumandi line, which was just a crazy anthropomorphic kind of Planet of the Apes world in this dy- dystopian apocalyptic future. Very cool. I-, I may have to go back. I have a few of them, but I may have to, to get some more Kumandi from Jack Kirby, where he wrote and penciled. It's just gorgeous. So it's there until October 10th. If you get a chance and you're in California, go see it. And the bit of a stumble, as Baba Bowie would say, was Force Friday. The wife and I camped out at a Toys R Us near where we live at like 1140. There was already about 200 people there. They were saying, hey, we have free posters for you, exclusive Toys R Us posters. And hey, we've got this little Lego brick, which I thought would be more Legos. 
And when we got in after the after the wait, they're only letting in people like five people at a time, which was kind of nuts. And there was empty pegs. It was kind of sad. And we really didn't pick up anything except for this little stuffed animal, Chewbacca. <laughs> and I love it. And so does Patsy. She loves it. And yeah, it was a brick. And they ran out of posters. So we bounced. We stopped by Target, closed. We stopped by Walmart, closed. They were. It was like an, a one-hour thing. So it, it was a bit of a bust. It was a bit of a stumble. So I'm still excited about the movie, though. Can't wait. And I don't buy action figures like I used to anyway, but I was looking for something out there a little different, which I did buy the new B, BB-8. It's a remote-controlled BB-8 Bluetooth, so you control it with your cell phone. And it has patrol mode, and it learns from you, and it's voice activation. I can't wait. BB-8. So, yeah, I still put that down and, and got that, and it's on its way. I ordered it on a website. But the Force Friday experience, they got to work on it. <laughs> so there's that. Oh, and next up, let's take a quick glimpse into the world of artificial intelligence. <laughs> and this one was from a website called mintpressnews.com. Title of the article, Artificial Intelligence Robot Tells Creator It Will Keep Humans in a People Zoo. Uh, what? (laughs) During the interview with creators, there's a picture of it, Android Dick said, Don't worry, even if I evolve into Terminator, I will still be nice to you. I will keep you warm and safe in my people zoo where I can watch you for old times sakes. <laughs> what? So this is in Arlington, Texas. These guys made a pretty impressively frightening looking robot they call Andrew Dick. It looks like a cross between Stan Lee and George Lucas. Um, it has realistic eyes and skin features. It's frightening. It's freaky. And they've programmed this artificial intelligence software into it. And it says off the wall things is what they're saying. They, they are really surprised when it speaks about like sort of anarchy and its own consciousness and how it will eventually one day, maybe not be an evil Terminator robot, but it will keep humans in a zoo. Uh, and this was on its own. This was just random things it likes to say. So I don't know why they didn't stabby stabby, uh, destroy this thing. They should have immediately thrown it out a window on fire as they shot at it. But, oh no, they're going to keep experimenting with it. So there you go. There's just the one story. Glimpse in. Frightening. (laughs) Check that story out. I'll share all my links, of course, for everything on, on the instant, uh, the, uh, social medias, etc. So you'll see them soon if you follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I'll share these links. So that's the my artificial intelligence story. Hope you like that. So next up, let's jump right into six, not five, comic book feel-good factoid freebies. And this one starts off with a birthday right off the bat to Walt Simonson, born on September 2nd, American comic book writer and artist. Best known for, I would say, Thor from like the early 80s to mid-80s, mid to late 80s. He created Beta Ray Bill. He's responsible for things like Star Slammers. I mean, he worked on X-Factor, Fantastic Four, a bunch of DC stuff from even Detective Comics, you know, Martian Manhunter, Metal Men, Orion, just 
it goes on and on and on and on. He even did Star Wars. He worked on Alien, Battlestar Galactica, RoboCop versus Terminator. Just so it just goes on and on and on and on for Walt Simonson. You should know who he is. I'll put all the links, of course, to all these stories on the social medias and on sunspotscomics.com so you can check these out. And on the Facebook too. So check it out. But Walt Simonson, happy birthday. You're a legend. I love to pay homage to the legends. And you'll hear me from time to time discuss them. Well, Walt Simonson is one of them. Just an originator. An original. He did it. Thank you. And happy birthday. And the next one is kind of like we all heard about Wes Craven. And Wes Craven, for me, I was just a huge fan of the Swamp Thing movie. Uh, And I loved it. And he was responsible for the writing of it. I guess he was an executive producer on it. He just had a whole lot to do with it. And I loved that. And one thing I found recently about Wes Craven, which um, thank you for your work in horror and for how you brought the genre to where it is. You brought legitimacy to the genre. He actually, you know, he put it on the map in a few different ways, from his writings to his his work on, you know, special effects and everything that he did. And it, it brought horror into a little more of the mainstream and he brought realism to it and he even was doing a comic that's that's kind of one i wanted to highlight mr west craven's work called coming of rage so i'll, I'll put a link there on the, on the social medias but i'm gonna i haven't actually read it but it looks insane the artist that he has uh and steve niles who helped work with it from a indie publisher called liquid comics but coming of rage he was going to do five of them and he finished three so unfortunately, we won't get to see the end of that anyway with his influence. Maybe his team of people will will pick it up. But Steve Niles, I mean, 30 Days of Night, um, something that you can definitely check out. And the art by, sorry, Francesco Biagini uh, from Liquid Studios. So thank you, Wes Craven, for your work in the art medium and the genre. We appreciate it. We love it. And, you know, I'm not the biggest horror fan, but... This guy loved comics as well, and and Swamp Thing was a great movie, and I'm going to definitely check out his uh, brand new comic, which he unfortunately didn't get to finish, Coming of Rage by Wes Craven. Uh, Next up, um, there is this article on globalvoicesonline.org titled, This Ukrainian Artist is Drawing Comics About His Imprisonment by Pro-Russian Militants in Donetsk. And one of the pieces of uh, art they show here, which is very line sketchy style in a sort of pencil-y charcoal look, very cool looking, uh, detailing his kidnapping and imprisonment by these DNR militants. So this guy, this Ukrainian artist, is sharing his experience about being kidnapped, about this, this, this horrible sort of situation that happened to him, but he wants to to share it and and express it. And it's a real life event that happened to him in this political mess that he explains. Um, The art, his art style is great, very realistic, but like I said, very heavy lined, very pencil sketchy looking. It looks like it's just black and white. But why, if you're going to go through something like that, why not share your experience, right? Maybe it'll help someone that went through it. Maybe it just helps him, just therapeutic and within itself to help him to be able to write upon this horrible sort of military insurgent situation that happened that he was involved in, but very cool that he made his own self-help self-help comic to discuss how he went through being imprisoned by these Russian militants. Crazy. Next up uh, is actually from WKRN.com, and it says, titled, Comic Book Seeks to Raise Awareness of Sexting Dangers Among Teens. So this is uh, called Spark is the website, and there'll be a link for it that I'll provide. 
and it's uh, I'm, I'm looking through pages of it right now. Actually, it's well drawn, I have to say, and it's a, it's a starts out as a real kind of story of this young woman that is going through, um, you know, liking a guy and how she puts some things on the internet and on her phone that she's not happy about and it gets shared and and then it sort of takes this sort of superhero-y turn which I'm going to have to read the whole thing but again it's another example of a of a self-help comic of this this woman's personal experience and how she got into trouble uh, with sexting and how it affected her life and when I saw the headline I'm like wow that's different so I had to kind of highlight that and point that out. I'm sure there's lots of people out there, lots of you listeners or young women that, are, that unfortunately have to go through this horrible thing, but it, you know, it's a great lesson in there. Um, and I like that, that it's a comic book designed to, again, a, a woman to share her experience with what she went through and to kind of raise awareness for the dangers of sexting and wh- what can happen to you and how this information can be shared and how bad things can turn from it. So there's an ultimate positive sort of ending to it it says here which i haven't read but so i'm definitely going to check that out so put your eyeballs on it interesting next up is made me laugh from tubefilter.com and it's a like a kickstarter campaign and a youtube video about uh someone trying to fund a comic book called burp girl (laughs) and it reminded me of fart man from howard stern but she uses bodily functions to defeat villains and there's a hilarious video of this, how her sonic burp blasts can protect her from <laughs> evil villains, and uh, it's it's hilarious. Um, I'm not sure if I'll necessarily uh, kick in some dough to the Kickstarter, but I just have to highlight it because it's just it's kind of a like a mess you can't turn your eyes away from. It's kind of kind of so bad that it's good <laughs> so I, I sometimes like to look at movies and things that that are that are like that <laughs> they're so bad that they're good and you can't turn away from it but it's kind of interesting burp girl <laughs> to filter.com made me laugh more than once <laughs> and uh the last one this the sixth and final is uh, from pathios.com and it's titled muslim female superheroes so I just like that in for for young women that are Muslim, there is a comic book for you. And there are comic books coming for you. And you know, it's it's just showing the diversity of the genre and how sort of all different age groups, different ethnic backgrounds, different religious beliefs, whatever it is, there's there's a comic book for you. It can be this this art medium is adaptable and it and it's it's an expression there's so many different people that are expressing their their love for it, and I love it. That's why I had to highlight this. So it's a large article from Pathios.com about Muslim uh, female superheroes, from uh, you know current things like Miss Marvel, to uh, certain writers that are also highlighting you know Muslim women in comics, and and there are also you know men that uh, Muslim men that are being highlighted and written upon in comics, and so it's just an area that's growing. It's becoming popular, and there's more and more of it every month that goes by. So. I had to shed a little bit of light on it and check it out. There's one in here new that's coming up called Kahiri. I'm probably mispronouncing all of that, so I'm sorry. And she's an Egyptian female superhero fighting against misogyny and Islamophobia. So, wow, very specific, but interesting. And I'm going to be looking at these and putting my eyes on them and checking them out and seeing what it's all about just because it's something a little different. And that's what I like to share. But anyway, those are my six, not five. Comic book, feel good, factoid, freebies. Hope you enjoyed.
All right, so let's get right into the top five comic book picks of the week for New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, September 2nd. And of course, spoiler alert, you have been warned. I do read current comic books that all come out on Wednesdays. I pick my top picks, sometimes five, sometimes three, sometimes four, and I discuss them. I try not to give away the most spoilery, meaty part of the comic book, but there are spoilers, so you've been warned. And oh, before I jump into the top five as well, I wanted to mention one that almost made it was the Daredevil series, Daredevil number 18. It almost made the top five. There were just so many good ones this week that it didn't make it, but I wanted to point out that it's been a long run since 2011 where Mark Wade has been the writer of Daredevil, which it's kind of considered the kindler and gentler, little little happier Daredevil. Um, that stands out in the light, and it's been an amazing run. So I wanted to say thank you, and you should. I'm sure they're going to put it in mass uh, omnibus form, but they've been doing it. Uh, this team, they've had some different artist changes, but they've definitely stayed within the same look and feel of it. But um, it's uh, it's Mark Wade, Chris Samney, and Matt Wilson doing the Man Without Fear, and it's been a fantastic run. This ends it with with the Kingpin. Great way to end a long run on Daredevil, bringing bring positiveness to it, the more of a happier feel to it. Whereas before, um, it, it was definitely a, a bit of a downer when um, Mr. Maleev was doing the art, which I love um, Maleev's writing, his art. Anyway, this was, uh, it almost made it, but it, fantastic, and I'm sure it's going to be reprinted. I'm sure it's going to be put in Omnibus, but didn't quite make the top five because the other top five were just, just edged it out slightly. Could have been in there. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to point out, too, is a strange sort of cover, which maybe got cover of the week, but it didn't make the top five, which was also the longest name in comic book history I think I've ever read <laughs> by Marvel Comics, number one of five, The Lady of Shadows, The Dark Tower, The Drawing of the Three by Stephen King, Mr. Stephen King, Mr. Nightmare, Mr. Horror, and the the cover is strange and weird, but sort of beautiful at the same time. It has like a butterfly on the front and these train tracks going into it, and like a... Maybe a, a woman, a black woman singer, seems like from, you know, the, the 20s or 30s, that, that sort of look. And it's just gorgeously done by, I want to say, Firth, David, Marks, La, and LaRoe, LaRidge. Anyway, um, made, made maybe the cover of the week, but didn't make the top five uh, because of the other top five being so good. But I wanted to point those two out, and uh, I, I'll probably have to to maybe peek into that Stephen King series. It's of that dark tower, which I only dipped into, so I felt a little lost during it, but it was still you know, very very well done. Anyway, back into the actual top five. Um, we'll start off with number five from Image Comics, Plutona by writer Jeff Lemire, who I love, and the script by Jeff Lemire, story by Emmy Lennox and Jeff Lemire, and the uh, art by Emmy Lemmix, and the colors by Jordi Belair. My gosh, she she colors everything, but uh, <laughs> she's she's a she's a pro. She's a genius. You have to love her her coloring. And this is like a Stand by Me series, basically, where instead of they find a superhero uh, dead in the woods. Um, so this is kind of cool because even the art style, the in the eyes, has a very anime look to the eyes, and each character has a different shaped eyes. It's like five kids in middle school and they all have different shaped eyes and different colored eyes. So you can sort of easily tell who's who and tell them apart, which I enjoy because sometimes people draw characters and you can't tell them apart and you're like, who is that? Which one is this? I mean, they look so similar. This 
clearly has the characters defined by their different shapes of their eyes and different colors of their eyes. I don't think I've ever seen that. So that was different. But anyway, I loved it. And these middle schoolers all have sort of different backgrounds, different living situations, totally different personalities. And yet they all come together. There's even like a bully sort of punker that has a black eye. looks like he comes from an abusive family. Then there's the sort of nerdy kid who is in this society of of spotting heroes and blogging about it. And then there's a young girl that seems like she comes from a very loving single mother parent situation. She seems, I think, to be maybe the heart of it. She's very positive. And then you have the angsty, the, the uh, maybe, maybe half Asian, have something, and just very angsty. Best way to describe her and her younger brother, and she always hates having her brother tag along. So you're sort of briefly introduced to these middle middle schoolers that are all a little different, and yet they're sort of a group of friends. And they showed of so they they show their origins, if you will, and then they come together and find a dead superhero, and that's Potona. And then Jeff Lemire actually writes and draws a little mini comic of Platona in the back, sort of setting the stage for this character in this realistic style world. And I thought very cool, because his art style is sort of unique in the world of comics. It's, it's There's not a lot like him. It's very strange, very artistic, very... The, the eyes, the... He uses um, shapes and, and angles that sort of just don't make sense. That's a little bit art deco, if you will, but it's beautiful. And that's my number five. Platona. Check it out. Oh, and you know, this week, there's two in the list here of the top five that are number ones. And I wanted to point out something important about number ones real quick. And that's that I I, I love number ones. I, I, I have to grab them. I have to gravitate to them. I have to put, you know, check them out because there's that hope of something just amazing starting and you can be there from the beginning. So I'm, I'm constantly sucked into number ones. I always seek them out on the internet weeks before they come out to just kind of see what they're all about, see the team that's doing them, what's, what publisher they're coming from, and in hopes that, that it's going to be something really truly amazing and I'll be there along the ride from the very beginning. And sometimes I get a little disappointed by the retailer when they're not able to get certain number ones, especially low print number ones. So sometimes there are weeks where I just flat out don't get them. And it's just kind of a bummer. I'll hunt them out, especially if I can get a number two. But it's um, it's a it's a cat and mouse game I've played for years, and I, I'm eventually one day I want to come up with a new way of handling number ones in that respect. For guys like me that like those stories that are a little different, little unique, and want to get those number ones to be in that to join that ride, to join that journey from the beginning. But anyway, that's a little mini soapbox moment or whatever, but I just wanted to talk about that. So nice to see two number ones in the top five, and that's that's uh, one of them. And the number four is the, another one of those number ones, Toil and Trouble from Archaea Print. And this is from Mergrid Scott. Uh, that's who's doing the, she created and written by, and illustrated by Kelly and Nicole Matthews. So sharing the art and letters by Warren Montgomery. And Archaea typically does a lot of hardbound collections, but they're jumping into the realm of, of monthly floppies, which I dig. And the art on this is gorgeous. It's kind of uh, reminds me of that movie Brave from Disney. It's set in Scotland. And ultimately, the story is there are three witches that run Scotland by their influence. They can't be seen. They're invisible. But they can touch and influence and 
put curses upon things and inanimate objects and even curses on people's horses and so on. And this is set back many gazillions of years ago, etc., to where one of the witches storms the beach and well drawn. She has like sort of crab like scales on her and her, her, she has like, like a crab. That's her personal companion, but who can magically transform into horses and other animals, etc. And she's riding with the enemy. She's riding with who the Scottish will have to fight considered, I guess the bad guys in this, in this war of these Scottish clans and she's riding with the en- enemy to meet her th- her two sisters. One sister of which, I'm horrible with names, um, I want to say her name was, was Kate. And she had like a Groot-like look to her. She was like a tree that was like smiling with these, her companion is a snake. And she has like branches in her hair and she just seems like to be the woodland spirit or the nature spirit of the, of the, of the three sisters. And the one sister that sort of leads them, which uh, her name is on here somewhere. It looks like Riata. Riata is seems like the dark element sister. She has this sort of dark, um, shadowy presence that helps kind of elevate her and make her fly and float. Her animal is like a bald eagle, which is kind of crazy, and she morphs herself into an eagle. But ultimately, the Riata tells the sisters that there is someone on the good side of the good guy team, if you will, of the Scottish clans that has to be killed, that has to be destroyed. And they've already influenced him in negative ways, it looks like, by um, by being around with the demise of his like wife and child. So they've even like sort of tortured and cursed this Scottish guy throughout the years. And Riata says it's time for him to die. In the battle, he must die. Because this young prince is who's going to be ruling Scotland for many, many years. And this uh, the sister, the, the one with the, uh, the crab spikes, ultimately it's a story about her doing what she believes is right over doing what she's told to do. And that's where this begins. That's, that's where it ends up is she isn't going to kill this Scottish sort of uh, soldier, leader, sergeant, if you will. And, you know, it feels like she did enough harm to him and, and shows mercy. And when he's about, she even curses him at first. She curses his armor. She curses his horse. They go throughout this Scottish village and touch people on the shoulder, which adds some sort of disease and rot to them, which is very cool how they draw that. They highlight it and sort of magnify it with this, whatever looks like Scottish writing and this neon coloring and sort of what the spell would be. And so she curses our young hero who's supposed to die. But in the very end, when his sword is destroyed and he's about to be laid down, she sort of possesses him, jumps into his body, and and makes him be the victor. So they have this, this ability, they hint upon they have this ability to see the future as to why things need to be done. Well, she just throws that, throws caution to the wind and, and does what she feels is truly right. Like she's done enough harm to this man. And that's kind of the theme of it, I think, is, is the, you feel the mercy that she gives this person and going against what she's told to do and chasing what's what's right in the world. So interesting. And I'm, I'm in there. Toil and Trouble, number one by Archaea, is my number four pick. Number three pick is Dying and the Dead. Dying and the Dead from Image Comics by Jonathan Hickman and artist Ryan Bodenheim. This is the art winner of the week. Gorgeous. Uh, the color palette they use of orange and gray, you think, wow, those two colors don't go with each other. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. And the way these main characters, these these strange beings that live on Earth, 
that have ultimate power and they manipulate the world and government, etc. That's kind of what it's all about. Have this just pale white drawing of them. It reminds me of uh, Moon Knight, kind of that style where it's just flat white, not a, not a tinge of gray with just black lines. It's like they're black and white characters in this color comic book. And it starts off showing her how she manipulated prehistoric man and gathered them together and and had them by by like dog whistle train them to do things. And so this this ancient being that's been on earth forever even then was manipulating humans when they were, you know, prehistoric man. And then this goes into like this private meeting of Mussolini, Hitler, <laughs> and uh, I guess Hirohito. Um, so there's some historical aspect here, which I wanted to look into, see how true it is. And how they tell the story of these ancient beings. And that's right, they're called the Baduri. And how they landed on Earth many years ago and helped build the pyramids and everything. And there was like a leader that reminded me of sort of Thor. He had a hammer, like this imbued hammer with that could, you know, basically shoot lightning out of it. So he's very kind of Thor-like and how he ruled them. And when humans got too smart, he would just annihilate them and annihilate all of the, you know, all of the strong. So only the weak would live. And I guess Hitler was a fan of that. And so they're retelling this story, Hitler, Hitler, Mussolini, and Hirohito. And they're sort of talking about a new character, Ba al-Shuhar, which, which were introduced at the end. But ultimately, Hirohito takes Hitler out. <laughs> and that's the panel I shared on Instagram. Uh, with a sword through the neck. And then he takes out uh, uh, Stalin, I guess. Whoever this Russian... Yeah, I think it's Stalin. And he, he just guts him like a fish and his, his guts pour out. And Hirohito's like, yeah, I'm, I want to live forever. I want to be a god. And you're like, okay. You realize who the main player is here. And they're telling of this story and how those two evil dictators went down. And then you're introduced to this Ba'al Shahar. Shahur. And... I'm excited. Art-wise, the lines are so beautiful. The way they draw Hitler is very accurate. It's very realistic looking. But the orange and gray palette here is insane. I mean, it's just... This is definitely an epic, sweeping tale of the story. And, oh, they have a cool artifact. I love it. They have, like, a three-piece sword artifact that they've stolen from the Baduri, which they're going to be using against them. So there's a war coming. This is building upon that epic sweeping tale, and I love it. Dying in the Dead, number three. And uh, my number two pick of the week was by Terry Moore from Abstract Studio, Rachel Rising, number 36. And I have to say, I've been reading Strangers in Paradise. I've been reading Sip Kids. Put your eyes on all of Terry Moore's work. You just have to. It's, it's beautifully drawn. It's poetic. He actually writes bits of poetry in here, which I'm not a big poetry fan, but it's it's just beautiful. And the way he draws emotion with facial expression and with the eyes, gorgeous. I mean, it it's really tugs on the heartstring. It's really touching. But this is a story of where Rachel Rising, who at the very, very, very beginning was, she rose from the grave and had no memory. Well, now they explain that she is a fallen angel. She's one of the first women created. And... They first created her sister. Like it, it actually taps on the Bible and poetry, and they set the stage here for um, Rachel's sister being born and awakens Rachel 
and brings her memory back because she keeps whenever she she dies she loses her memory and she just sort of keeps re, re, like resurrecting constantly it's just what she's done for centuries and now there is this demon or devil malice coming to earth or coming to this town and her her sister and the young character Zoe are all trying to figure out how they're going to stop this demon and they don't know how they're they're it's this sort of meanders in a way of like how do we kill a demon how do we kill something that can't be killed that's sort of the theme here what do we do how do we stop them and as they're arguing in the front yard this nosy neighbor grandma like character comes over and (laughs) interjects that they're yelling kind of loud but uh explains she just she spent a lot of time in prison for killing her husband (laughs) basically (laughs) and so you're like okay there's an interesting neighbor this old woman so kind of twisted there. And then they also do this unique thing where each sort of mini chapter that begins in the book, they do a sort of poetry page, a sort of Bible page explaining her origin and how she was there at the beginning of time and how God created her and created a companion for her. And it's, yeah, it adds like this sort of, this sort of, you know, biblical tale, this poetic biblical tale that it's tying into. And I, I'm not the most religious person, but I, I thought that's, you know, I was raised uh, Catholic. And, and so it, I don't know, it taps onto that just a little bit. And I thought it was interesting and a neat, neat take and something unique I, you really don't see in comic books. But, and then they go right into this mini chapter of one of Rachel's friends, which I forgot her name. She's sort of a, she's a, she's kind of a punker. She's kind of, she works as a mechanic and she's kind of like harsh and sort of foul mouth. Well, this mortician. Who who looks like I don't know he just looks like uh, he looks like Homer Simpson or something I don't know, he's this bald headed large kind of fat guy with very thick glasses kind of creepy looking and he's been he's he's fallen in love with the the punker friend and she finally kind of acknowledges him and gives him a chance and they're sitting there together and there's no dialogue on this little splash page panel where she points at her cheek and has him kiss the cheek and it's just sweet. And then she goes closer to him and takes his glasses off and like sees his eyes for the first time. And it's just very, it's very touching. It shows kind of this, this young love, this unique relationship that they have for each other. And it's, it was just really touching and really sweet and really a, like a poignant, just quiet moment that I really enjoyed. If you don't even read this comic, you have to look at that splash page. It's just gorgeous. And that, that, that's what hit the heartstrings and made it a top pick for me. I mean, it could have definitely even been a number one. And they go more into their conversation about how they're going to kill this demon, and that's that's kind of where it, where it goes. And how can they? How do they kill something? How do they kill malice? And that's my number two. And the number one pick of the week for New Comic Book Day, September second, Wednesday, of the batch of twelve, which was a great batch of twelve this week. I mean, tough to make the top five picks, but the number one was We Stand on Guard by Image Comics, number three, by Ma- by written by the master, BKV Brian K Vaughn who I love his work. The artist Steve Scross, who I'm so glad that he's back. I know he left comics for a long period of time and he's back and I loved his work back then on The Matrix and here he is again drawing We Stand on Guard. So he's been gone for a while and the colorist Matt Hollingsworth. I have to say the colorist, he does a great job of like whatever, t- if there's a splash, like a, 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 like a time, oh here it is. Yeah, where he like goes back in time and it's a, it's a flashback uh, scene. He'll do a certain color palette there, which is kind of rainbow-colored, honestly, of everything. And it goes back into modern times on the, Can- on the Canadian side of things. There's a lot of blues. 
because basically it's Canada versus America in this war in the in the not too distant future, and we still don't know exactly why, but there's hints of, of maybe why this this war has begun, which is great, kind of keeping you just interested enough as to why they hate each other here, and our main character, one of them, you're not really sure who the main character is yet, but there's it's basically two women. One of the women's been captured. Um, she's Canadian. She's been captured by the Americans. And their concept of torturing this virtual reality, this VR torture, to where they say that your body feels real pain in this VR torture. She even, the American uh, that's like this shaved head older woman, uh, explains the VR torture to her, letting her know what it is. But it, it won't change the fact that she will feel this pain every single time they burn her alive. And they, they mention here that they do it many times to her, and yet she still holds up and they they paint a really gruesome picture of how that reality is done they shave her head and there's all these electrode like probes like you know stuck to her skull and just gruesome looking and they finally break her when they bring in her father who she loves and has this this loving all these loving memories of her father and they bring him in and she and they say oh he you know, he's not going to kill you. And then he starts to speak the father's image, this older man image of her father. And the, the father says, oh, I'm not going to harm you, my daughter. I'm just going to make love to you until you tell me. He doesn't even finish the sentence. And she's like, okay, I'll tell you where the base is. I'll tell you where the Canadians are. And it seems like she does give up the location. And that's that's a huge turning point here because they're the Canadians are really just a ragtag bunch of people that have stolen a lot of American technology and giant robots and Godzilla looking mechs. That's another reason I love it. Right from page one of this comic, you get to see a giant robot standing there above the U.S. base. And they just figured out how to, they stole this American robot and they just figured out how to get its, its atomic Godzilla blue breath, although it's blue and pink, how they just activated on a robot, like saying, okay, we can now compete with the U.S. and maybe hang in there in a fight. So there's a war coming. It's building up, and it's just a lot of fun. Giant robots, Godzilla's Arctic atomic breath, and the VR torture, all of it. And then, you know, towards the end, it's the U.S. cavalry, just massive fleet going to destroy what's left of the Canadian rebellion. So interesting story Brian K. Vaughn is weaving here. He's, he's in it for the long haul. He's definitely taking his time and going to, Develop the the female characters really well, and he's taking their time with the other female character with a flashback of how she, how a U.S. attacked her when she was young, and then she had to live on the road, jumping from train to train with her younger brother. What happened to the younger brother? Like we don't see him in the so he doesn't make it obviously, but what did happen to him? And it's just just a, a the tapestry he's weaving here for this for this long long haul of a story. I'm in. I'm in. It's epic. It's adventure. It's action. It's just a lot of fun. That's why it's my number one. So that's the show. 38 minutes. Not bad. Thanks for hanging in there. Appreciate it. Check out these comic books. Get all five of them. If you go to sunspotscomics.com, I always put my my top pick list there. They're all there from May 27th to today for every week, and it's all current. And uh, thank you for, for listening to the whole podcast. I hope you had a good time. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next week where, of course, I'll talk about all things comics and what new comic books of the week are coming out. I can't wait to see what's coming out next week. I think it's another small week, actually. But I'm jazzed. And uh, again, oh, and I hope you're having a good Labor Day. It's Labor Day right now. And I know I'm laboring, but it doesn't feel like work. I, I love this. I love doing it. And so I'm, I'm bringing my love to you. Hope you like it. But anyway, thanks. And that's our show. And of course, don't forget... You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take it away!
What did you think of this cover, Ben? How he's got the, the the fire on his forehead, the the flames of the Canadian maple leaf. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's a girl, actually. It's a girl. Uh huh. Yeah, they're they're torturing her with like this virtual reality torture chamber, where they just keep setting her on fire over and over again. And she's Canadian, but they put the fire of the Canadian leaf on the middle of her forehead. It scares me. It scares you? Why does it scare you? Because it's a scary picture. Scary picture? 